0: Friends that I used to hang out with during the primary, Uh, like we were like called. There were like two groups. One was called Beers for Bernie, and the other was called like Bernie's Army. And like the Bernie's Army group, like totally fell off the rails. They got a bunch of money from like this rich socialist guy named Howard Gold who was, like, an heir to the 99-cent store, and he was just spending, like, a shitload of money, like, throwing, like, a counterparty next to George Clooney's house when, like, Hillary drove up, and, like, we threw money on our motorcade. I remember and he, that. Like, that was cool. That was dope. Like, we did all this cool shit, but then, like, as soon as the primary was over, the whole thing went off the rails, and they were, like, doing, like, red carpet walks and shit. Like, it was, like, so embarrassing and so L.A. Uh, that's what happens when you have a bunch of actors... doing, like, a a grassroots thing without any supervision and uh, an open pocketbook, I guess. But uh, then the other group I was hanging out with, like, the Beers for Burning group, like, a lot of them ended up becoming, like, delegates. And they were all, like, shut out during the DNC and the convention. They were talking about having seat fillers taking their seats, and they were talking about how security was shoving them out, all this ugly shit. Yeah, no, I I went to the DNC, and I saw a lot of that shit go down. It, It is true. We still have not gotten any fucking justice for, like... The disgrace of last year's primary, the voter boxes that were broken, the, the fact that Bernie-leaning neighborhoods had much longer lines than Hillary-leaning neighborhoods, uh, the secret win in California the day before that fucking primary, the shadiness of the voter purges in New York. We do need accountability for this shit, and we're never going to get any semblance of, of sanity well, in our society back.
1: What we thought until today. Until today. Well,
2: if you, and if you're listening at home, uh, uh, you're not listening on the same day we are. The reason why JDB is on one uh, so much <laughs> is because today is the day that uh, Donna Brazile wrote, uh, uh, had the excerpt from her book uh, on Politico where she admitted uh, uh, that the primary was rigged in favor of, you guessed it, Hillary Clinton holy shit and then uh yeah, warren confirmed it
3: so shocking i never i never who <laughs> ever could imagine such a thing it's crazy <laughs> all right but
0: before we get uh more into that let's uh let's introduce the new episode shall we yeah uh welcome to struggle session uh your f- i'm jack allison your show <laughs> No, my show no, your, no you're the you, audience you the audience yeah. it's your show
1: it's your show i'm jack allison i'm jonathan daniel brown I'm Leslie the Third, and we're joined today by our guest. He's a writer who um, uh, uh, put out a really hot piece. You might have read about um, Ultimate Warrior in WWE. Um, his name is Rob Ruse- uh, Rousseau. Oh, I feel so bad. I just <laughs> slept on it. I'm from Louisiana. This this is my shit. Like- yeah, this is your time
3: to shine, and you you blew it. You blew was, it. I'm
1: so no, sorry. No, you didn't
3: blow it. You didn't blow it at all. It's it's fine. Uh, hello, I'm re- I'm really happy to be on the show, guys. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so let's get back to crowing about uh, the primary.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to Rob's article in a little bit, but yeah, we we just have to have a little, uh, we just have to relitigate the past year uh, all over again, basically. So,
2: yeah, here I am. I'm in my best uh, legal suit. Um, you know, we've transformed my office over here into a courtroom, and uh, it's time to do some relitigating. JDB, would you like to start with the opening <laughs> argument?
0: Yes, I would like to. I actually just found out that an ICM agent who fucked over
2: one of my pilots just got murked for sexual harassment. So, like, today, is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up, JDB. So uh, yeah, let's let's talk let's this let's thing through.
3: On all kinds of tea today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: so let's walk through this this whole thing. Um, you, so what happened, uh,
1: uh, Leslie? JDB,
2: do you guys want? When do you guys want
1: to take this? <laughs> I'll give it so, to L. So what happened? Um, Has been a question on a lot of people's mind, and um, most of us knew what happened—that the Clintons basically had the dnc in their pocket from the beginning we just didn't know how much until donna brazil dun dun um, (laughs) uh a hillary clinton um supporter you know pre-avid supporter who was known most famous for giving uh hillary clinton debate questions before they the debate actually happened um basically dropped a bombshell a select section from her book where she basically says that once she was brought on as the interim chair in the DNC, she found out exactly how much control the Clintons had over um, the DNC. Basically, they were the only source of money for the DNC, and they basically put the DNC on this uh, kind of like a starvation um, binge diet. At the same time, like they were spending way too much money, but also they would like keep a really, uh, but all the money being spent and, uh, none of the, like the leadership of the DNC knew where it was going it was just like Debbie Wasserman Schultz basically and she controlled everything and, um, and none da- of
3: it was going to down ballot candidates over. Oh,
1: yeah and that's actually something we already did know because um, basically the Clinton campaign um, when they were doing that fundraiser you talked about JDB the way they were taking money mm-hmm. I don't know the technical details of it, but basically like the Clinton campaign couldn't directly accept it. It would go to the Hillary Clinton victory fund and then they would funnel it back to the DNC and the local parties to down ballot candidates, candidates. but then they would immediately force those local parties uh, to give the money back. So it was like literally a money laundering scheme. And that, that came out during the primary, but nobody really talked about it. But Donna Brazil talking about it has uh, opened a lot of people's eyes up. And the fact that, you know, since they had basically control of the money, they had control of the party. And and Donna Brazil just basically exposed all this. And she says she has more coming, actually. So um, it's, excited, uh, it's very exciting. Um, Bernie would have won. We were right. You were wrong. And
3: that's it. Um, <laughs> it's like we... We already knew all this, but I mean, it feels good to have someone else, have someone else say it. You know?
2: Yeah, it, it and it does, and it's especially good to have someone like Donna Brazile say it, which is, I think, the uh, uh, most insane part of this. I mean, well, she's uh, selling
3: you mean, uh, a book. You, mean, you, mean, you mean known sexist Bernie bro Donna Brazile? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, she's yeah. a fucking let's
1: disgusting be, misogynist. Let's she be hates. clear
3: here about what we're talking about. Come on. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> denies have already
1: come out from uh, Clinton. Uh, Dead and on Twitter. They've already called Donna the worst thing um, slur imaginable. They've called her another Nina Turner. Um, uh, yeah,
3: pretty on the nose. Yeah, um, but uh, really
0: on the nose. And 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 what's <laughs> and what's so fucked up on, about it? Oh no, they go ahead, on, Rob.
3: They, t- they turned on Liz Warren too pretty quickly. Oh yeah, Liz Warren Warren came out too and said, "Wait, wait, what exactly did she say?" After well, she was she was on CNN today and she basically talking about. The scandal and how they, you know, what they need yeah. to move moving forward. And then Tapper asked her right at the end of the interview, like, "Would you say that it was rigged in favor of Clinton?" She was like, "Yes, yes, oh, yes,
2: yeah, yes, and it was well, fucking rigged." It's, it's yeah. really insane. What what a day! Like both. First of all, Donna Brazil is good for the first time ever, and Elizabeth Warren is good again.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and it's been really funny to see all the people that in the past had that had. Nevertheless, she persisted in their bios. All of a sudden, being like, "You know what? I never liked her."
2: <laughs> she yeah. shouldn't fucking persist so much. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I, I think the big question out of all of this, uh, uh, and I think it's on the tip of everyone's tongues, is uh, um, when did Donna Brazil? Uh,
1: what what compromise does Russia have on Donna Brazil?
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that is even her real name,
1: yeah. <laughs> I guess it is worth like delving into this. You're Like, one, she's selling the book. Um, obviously, uh, sure. Hil- Hillary Clinton did the same thing and talked a lot of shit. Uh, so in her book, and all these people defended all the shit uh, she said. So you can't really complain uh, about Donna doing the same thing. And um, I get, I feel like, as her, like apparently, she really doesn't like uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That comes across uh, yeah. quite clear. Yeah. And
2: which Donna- seems like a pretty common thing uh, uh, with everyone who knows Debbie Wasserman Schultz
1: personally. Yeah, and I guess the final thing is, like, she was, like, one of the, like, she was supposed to be, like, in the background in Clinton's pocket. Like, she wasn't supposed to be, like, on Front Street, you know, as a Clinton shield, but that is what happened to her. And basically, she's gotten nothing but shit for the past year, For um, these Clintons and she might not even like them all that much. Like she's supposed to be like one of their background players, not one of their foreground players. And for her to uh, kind of be exposed because she is a journalist, she likes that air of, you know, objectivity and integrity. And that was completely taken away from her by Hillary Clinton, who then went on to lose the election
2: embarrassingly
1: yeah embarrassingly so and so brazil got nothing out of it except hell she's probably caught as much if not more i don't think she was in
0: what happened. happened
1: i think that hillary
0: clinton took her out of what happened oh, i don't yeah. think she's in the acknowledgements
1: yes yeah yeah we <laughs> talked about it on that show they left her off the acknowledgements
0: and then and then roger stone who you know never trust the fucking thing he says I think he claimed somewhere that, like, Hillary called her a water buffalo or something, She's which is, so like, so bad. fucked up. I don't trust anything that he's right when Ghoul said, but if Hillary Clinton called Donna that, then, like, I – then she is a, a much nicer person than I could ever imagine because anybody – or, or just a sucker because anybody <laughs> calls you that and then expects loyalty and fealty is fucking doomed. Um, yeah, and
3: it's one of the things people have been saying, too, is that, oh, you know, why was she so – Uh, You know, why was she being such a team player then, but she's saying this now. But of course, when she's selling a book, when the campaign's going on, she's not going to be saying, you know, I think Hillary's rigging this thing. I mean, it's not right. It's why would she ever do that? I mean, they had they knew what was at stake. And uh, she was kind of trying. It seems like she was kind of trying to be a team player to a certain extent. But now she's kind of sees which way. The wind is blowing.
2: Which, by the way, all the same people who are like all the same centrists who are being like, why didn't she say anything during the campaign then? Like, what were the people saying during the campaign that we all need to fall in line because it's such an existential threat uh, uh, for Trump to be elected? So, you know, you just cannot win with these people.
1: And by these it, people, we mean centrists. Centrist. Yes.
2: Again, every time I say these people on the podcast, I always mean centrists. Yeah, the
0: the interesting thing is is that look, now that it's out, it's been a it's been a year, right? It's been almost a, we're a week away from a year since the primary, or I guess less than that, like five days. Um, the, f- the bad feelings are still fucking here. I'm still fucking angry. A lot of people who were screwed over are still angry. And the Democrats have used this hashtag unity shield for a year straight. But the more and more dirt comes out, and I suspect that it will, I think it's going to become clearer and clearer that Hillary Clinton wanted Donald Trump to be her opponent. And I think that a lot of
1: definitely know we already know we know about the Pied Piper
0: strategy, but like how deep it went, how much Hillary propped these fucking people up, how much Robbie Mook made sure that Trump was going to be there. We'll learn more, and it's gonna. I think it's going to be very clear that like it was always the plan. It was always the plan to have Trump lose to Hillary, and. I mean, almost like it was always the plan for Bernie to lose to Hillary. This election was never
1: from the beginning. It was rotten from the beginning. And, 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 you know, that's, it's funny that you say that because Joy and Ree's response to this is actually to say that, like, to say, well, Hillary cleared the field in 2016, so basically what did you expect? Bernie wasn't expected to be a serious challenger, so, you know, that's some why, not post take move over, in. why not take over the party uh, before any, any single vote was cast? Like, that, that was her, like, justification of it. Which well, that's, I, the,
3: that's kind of one of the funny things, isn't it? Because in that whole Brazil story— like she's not describing anything illegal. It's all, like technically, it's all within bounds and within the rules. But like that in and of itself is so fucked up that like this right. kind of stuff is even allowed to begin with.
1: Yeah, that money laundering is is money laundering. Like you're not supposed to accept money one way, so you just funnel it back through a few channels and then give it back to yourself and now it's legal, like, that should be a crime. Someone should be in jail for that. I have no idea. I can think of one person who should be in
2: jail. As I said before, I've said it on this podcast, I said it on Twitter earlier today, the only way to heal the wounds of this country is for both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton to go to they jail. They have to go away. They have to go to jail. Lock them up. It's the only way.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, here's, one of, here's one of the interesting things that I'm wondering about, because... You know, it does raise a few red flags, uh, Brazil's whole story, where she's she's totally the protagonist of the story who was right all along, right. you know, and she's kind of absolved herself of anything. So it's either, like, one of two things has happened. Either she's, like, for moral reasons, is trying to do the right thing and trying to make things right, and she's telling the truth, or it's a completely cynical careerist move and either one of those things is great like if the cynical <laughs> uh, if the cynical careerist dnc people are seeing which way the wind is blowing seeing that it's a ship that they're on that's great that's great news that they're starting to uh, get out and get out now and and leave room for the some actual healing to actually happen
2: yeah, I, uh, um, I was thinking about this earlier, and it's like, I think a lot of this does, you know, is is Donna Brazile kind of like trying to save her own ass? Right, and I like, mean, like, and she I doesn't de-
0: talk about the CNN interview question,
2: that was right. a huge fucking mistake. Well, who knows, there's, a whole, there's gonna be a whole book out there, but I guess I agree with you, Rob, that I'm like, if, if her saving her own ass uh, uh, is, like, at, you know, at the benefit of, like, left politics, like, fuck yeah, yeah why not?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if that's what she thinks she needs to do to save her ass, then I think that that's a positive thing.
3: Yeah, either way is a sign that the left is winning and that, like, th- there are people within the DNC who are very committed to that whole neoliberal centrist uh, bullshit, but they, even they recognize which way the wind is blowing in terms of the electorate and wh- what they need to do to to win. You know, I think a lot of them know that, even if they haven't been able to overtly say it yet.
1: Yeah, because we were just talking about this on the, on the show uh, that we recorded yesterday, like, all this, sh- and we actually talked about like why would you bring ba- why would the DNC bring back Donna Brazile, considering how controversial a figure she is. And I'm sure Tom Perez probably um, regrets it uh, deeply now because that was not what he was brought on for uh, to bring to uh, bring back all this shit. But um, like, if like with Elizabeth Warren saying that the primary was rigged. Uh, with Donald Brazil coming out, like I wonder if there was something in the background where Hillary Clinton was telling people, "Yes, I'm definitely running again," and everybody's just saying, "No, that we can't let this happen. We have to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking kneecap her before it happens," or if they just see, like, you know, they've seen like that the DNC is not getting donations, and they're and they're then they'd be losing race after race, even with Donald Trump. Uh, donald trump's approval ratings plummeting like they still have nothing to offer so at at the very least they can you know maybe uh throw out the clint uh throw the clintons under the bus as something to uh possibly unite the party and uh, excite the base again
3: well even even liz warren i mean that's kind of because clearly she was kind of promised stuff in the primary she didn't jump into the primary between bernie and hillary even though a lot of people wanted her to and I think it was, like, that. my theory about that is, like, obviously she had been, you know, offered something, either a place in the cabinet or something once Hillary wins. And she, like, as you can tell, that she decided to play ball with them and didn't jump in, didn't endorse Bernie. And then when the disaster happened, now she's kind of pissed off because, you know, maybe she sees that it could have gone a certain way if she had gotten involved and she didn't. And it's totally screwed She would everyone.
1: be president right now if she ran.
3: 100%. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: Absolutely.
2: Oh. Um, I was going to say, do you think that Donna Brazile got this article or wrote this book before she got put back on the rules committee at the DNC?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <She> <laughs> <had to. laughs> That's
2: she fucking to. awkward.
1: And she's yeah. been keeping it under wraps. They're going to kick time. her off. It's They're
0: going to awesome. shank her. Are you looking at Twitter right now? like yeah. the the centrists want her fucking blood they're first of all, they're comparing her to Nina Turner because, oh well, they're both black women, so <laughs> and they're both turncoats to the hashtag Ugh. resistance uh but second of all, like the way that they're attacking her is is so absurd because she is a good soldier. I know. She fucking lied and she cheated and she stole for Hillary and just because she's pointing out the obvious that there was Malfeasance and that she was one of like a zillion hatchet men for this corrupt you know this political syndicate that and then all of a sudden she's a traitor? It's so trumpy. It's so fucking trumpy of these people, of these yeah. and once again, these people are the fucking libs and the neo-libs. <laughs> yeah.
3: And just and I mean making that like comp- that automatic comparison to Nina Turner and Donna Brazile for like for people like that to then turn around and call people on the left racist—it's like give me a break, man. It's unbelievable, how, unbelievably how transparent it is.
1: Emotions are high. Like, uh, but I uh, like they are, but I don't know why. Like. Hillary Clinton – because what all the centrists are saying is that, well, Hillary Clinton's not going to run again, so I don't know why you're still attacking her. Like, so why do they still care? Like, Noah Berlatsky said the same thing. If you're a leftist and you're still complaining about Hillary Clinton, you're – you. I don't know what's wrong with you. Your priorities are screwed up. Like,
0: well, and then, yeah, Patton Oswald too. Yeah, yeah
1: Patton Sweet was extremely a
0: stupid. fucking moron. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's an idiot. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a,
2: he's, I mean, he's a very—he's like a funny guy. He's definitely done some very funny stuff about superhero action figures, but I don't think he, his brain is good enough for politics.
1: Oh no, he like his tweet. He, he didn't even read the article, but he had a hot take about it. Like, he obviously did not read about it and the money laundering, and basically tried to whitewash what was going on. With the but DC. he's been
0: doing that. He's been doing that since. Since the primary ended when he was like, dear Bernie bros, if you can't move on and support our first female president, well, me and my daughter have a message for you. It's like, go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, because it it, it has to be said, um, the Clintons are still in power. The reason Don Perez is DNC chair and not um, Keith Ellison is because of that wing. Broadly of the party of Obama and Clinton. I know there's they're not the same wing and they had their issues, but they still wield a lot of power and is basically hovering over the Clintonism is still hovering over us. Um, They're a vampire who's been, you know, shot, but haven't been staked in the heart, basically, (laughs) to put it in in horror terms.
3: It's been uh, this whole last year too has been so bad for Obama's legacy too because like I already didn't really like him as a president like mm. over the last eight years but just everything that's happened since then with kind of just disappearing with uh, throwing a monkey wrench into Ellison's uh, uh, campaign to lead the DNC to endorsing Macron in France to uh jen nessina working for the conservatives in the uk oh yes it's just like man Teresa come on! Like, I they, believe it, these guys
2: yeah i also like- got, I got a small bone to pick with obama actually too it's such a stupid thing but he he posted a thing being like sign up for the open uh, enrollment exchanges or whatever and they had really bad sound quality in the video they need to get a fucking boom operator or something this is an ex-president for
1: god's sake <laughs> like, come yeah. on now
3: get it together <laughs> it has
1: to
2: have better sound quality than our podcast
1: <laughs> yeah. it, but that, You said Obama's legacy at this point. Like, what is what legacy? Like, what is his legacy? He almost has nothing. Certainly, nothing positive. I guess um, the slave markets opening back up in Libya is um, one thing he can hang his hat on. (laughs) You can lose your job.
0: You can lose your job for being mean on the internet.
2: Right. Yeah. No, he created a lot of sort of like transient, unenforceable uh, uh, agreements. um, And then it turned out that the next guy who got in the office was like a mentally handicapped old man. So that kind of shit doesn't actually matter. That's not like a way to actually govern.
0: I actually do believe that like Obama as a president was more interested in changing American culture than changing American politics. And nobody wants to talk about this. Uh, He is sort of the elephant in the room. I even believe that Hillary Clinton takes some of the flack that actually belongs to Barack Obama, and she's a fucking monster. But I believe that Obama has managed to shield himself in this golden perfection, like, borderline deity figure— and it's spooky, and it's fucking weird. And, like, maybe eight years ago, when all those Republican assholes were saying, he's just a celebrity, he's not going to do anything, they, they may have had a fucking point. Now, granted, their candidate was a senile warmonger who can't lift his arms over his head. But—and then after that, a, a Mormon who wanted to ban porn from the Internet. And then after that, uh,
2: an actual rapist. Yeah, celebrity, yeah. An actual White celebrity.
0: But— like, look, those attacks on Obama had merit. He was somebody that was more interested on in being on Bear grills than changing the law.
3: Well, and it seems to me he came into power and his idea was, I'm going to be the first post-partisan president. I'm going to bring the country together. I'm going to work with everyone and, and, and get everyone on the same page, which is like, that's a nice sentiment, but it was clear. I mean, I'm just some, I'm just some fucking guy, right? Uh, it was obvious to me after about two weeks that, like, okay, they're not going to work with him on anything. So, you know, it's a nice idea that you had to get into that you were going to be so transformative. It's not going to happen, okay? That's yeah. completely off the table. And just how he kept continuing for eight fucking yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, and where does that and where? Stuff
2: and where that gets us honestly like this is like the most like one of the best abject examples of centrism that I can see is the ACA like him trying to be all things to everyone and be postpartisan got us a Democratic president pushing the Republican health care plan and where does that get when he gets out of office like now the only option for Republicans because they have to keep up the whole facade of kayfabe is to just like make it worse like so he pushed their plan the only plan that they would have gone for they still said fuck that and then they still need to move further right so yeah, that's pushed, how centrism works.
1: He pushed the Republicans to the right. That's that eighth dimensional uh, chess. It was this f- sort of fraudulent belief that everyone comes together
0: in this glorious center and it's not about good or bad or right and wrong. It's about constantly compromising. But then when you have one party that is constantly compromising and another that says, we're going to take everything, it doesn't fucking work. And it wasn't working for the beginning. You'd think like, you know, 20 years ago, if if, if if George H. W. Bush said, like I'm, por- I'm appointing Timothy Geithner to be in charge of the fucking treasury, they they would they would suck they would suck George H. W. off for that. They would say, that's amazing. We love Tim Geithner, but Obama does it, and it's it's they, it's baffling to me how far right the center has moved in chasing that compromise.
3: Well, that's why we bitch about centrism uh, and centrists, isn't it? Because really, there aren't they just crypto conservatives? Right. Because in their actual actions, it's all, all the compromise is always with the right. It's never compromising anywhere else. Right. Oh yeah, no. So it's it's like conservatives that just don't want to admit that that's what they believe in. Oh no, I believe in uh, right. you know universal healthcare and I believe in uh, redistributing income and all that. But uh, you know, unfortunately, since that's not an option, we're gonna take that <laughs> off the table. We're gonna work with the with the extreme right fascist snake pit of fucking <laughs> lunatics. And that's what we're gonna do instead. So uh, that's what I mean. It's just like it's like you know, when you call a Nazi and they're like and they get all offended about it, they don't wanna be called a Nazi. It's just a centrism is just a conservative that, that doesn't wanna be called a conservative.
0: Well, and then like, you know, until I really discovered the left and gave up my liberalism and my centrism I felt myself becoming more right wing too just in the pursuit of sticking to my liberal ideas and letting everyone have their fucking say and all sides are equal I felt myself pushing right like I've seen not that even happened
1: so many times not even consciously like I, I've seen that happen with a lot of my friends like in like I have a couple of Clinton dead and their friends who like well, now they're not so hyped about universal health care. They don't think it could happen So, they, because right. Hillary Clinton said it. So they've moved to the right on that issue. And Well, unfortunately, Leslie, single payer is sexist. Oh, God.
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like, Kill me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it happens. I think most people who like rank and file liberals, <laughs> like I'm not talking about people seeking office or people in any of these organizations or even like, media wonks and journalists, just like every day, like, I'm a liberal. I think most of these people would understand the need for universal health care. I think most of these people would understand the need for breaking up the banks. I think most of these people can be pulled to the left, but they have like heroes that they look up to. And we live in a fandom culture. We live in a society where famous people dictate so much uh, of what people think and powerful people and so on and so so that's why I think it was so important that you had like Warren and Brazil telling the truth because yeah. a lot of people look up to them. Uh like me, I like kind of was done with Warren. I know you're a big she... Donald Brazil fan, right? Yeah. Like it. <laughs> but, like, I, I am, like, I was so pissed off when Warren endorsed Clinton. I, w- I felt, like, pretty betrayed. Yeah. You... I now, like, I mean, you now know, like, the story of, like, what Clinton was doing to her and Biden behind the scenes. Like, we didn't know any of that shit. We didn't know all the strong-arm tactics that the DNC was using to keep no, all of their dissenters to, in line.
1: To be fair, I still do not, I do not. One little bit sorry for Warren or Biden. No, They're idiots for... Belief. Leaving for letting those idiots uh, intimidate them. Like, the Clinton... Yeah. The, the Robbie <laughs> Mook is a moron. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, you let Robbie Mook scare you from becoming president yeah. of the United States. You are a clown. You are a clown-ass motherfucker. <laughs> you cannot show your face in public again. You let, you let these creeps and these losers, like, shake you. Like, how can yeah. you possibly, possibly... Well, I guess to be fair, it was most—it was probably mostly about the money, right? They said, "Okay, we got this and this and this and this. This person um, f- uh, on our side, in our pocket, funding us, um, and so you're it, you you wouldn't be able to get a start, right?" But like, I'm sure they tried to pull the same shit on Obama, and Obama was just like, "Fuck you." I got, fuck you. I'm going to do it. Right. Uh, I'm going to let uh, voters fund my campaign. And- yeah, how about if people pay me 25 bucks a head? It's one
0: of those baffling things about the Obama presidency, is like during the campaign after 2008, how much Obama and Hillary fought, considering how similar their politics are. Like where Obama is slightly left of Hillary and, and Bill, slightly. Like, not enough for all of the crazy amount of infighting that happened between the two, although I suspect a big chunk of that has to do with the fact that Hillary felt like her valor was stolen and, like, she doesn't like black guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not fair. I'm sure she liked the slaves she had at the governor's mansion.
0: <laughs> they, were, they, they, they were
2: all races. There were white people there, too, folks. Okay, sorry. <laughs> there were also white slaves. Um, so, should we, what do you think? Should we keep crowing about the, about 2016?
0: No, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about Rob
2: we got a guest here let's
1: yes. talk
0: about what he's up hey. to
1: so also uh, so rob um tell uh let's start off with your article in um um vice i i found like it's one of those rare articles where when i first read the headline i was like eh this is a little too much but by the end I'm like yes somebody needed to write this uh fucking piece so uh why don't you tell us about it
3: yeah well okay um so it's about uh, the Ultimate Warrior, and like I know you guys, I know Leslie's more into the wrestling, and I know maybe you guys are not as much yeah. I, to I,
1: it. I told them about the fact. Yeah, that but we, I know about Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, yeah,
3: sure. No, I read the piece does. too. I mean, <laughs> and,
1: no, yeah. I, I just wanted to make clear. I talk shit about both of you about not understanding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to lie about it. Like I, I said these idiots don't understand wrestling. I have to explain to them all the time. Yeah, but, no, but I've just, been watching
0: you know, so many YouTube clips. I'll have you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting there. I'm no, doing see, better.
3: Never, so, everyone remembers Ultimate Warrior from the when you if you watched wrestling when you were a kid with the bicycle streamers around the biceps and the faint, the painted face and everything. And he had been kind of like uh, away from the company for many years. Uh, he had kind of like burned all his bridges in the wrestling business. And in the like mid to late 2000s, he was kind of trying his hand at being a conservative uh, commentator. Uh, going on to college campuses, he did uh, Connecticut and uh, DuPaul University for these like young Republican groups. Like and he was basically
1: block. like like a one of our modern day like alt right guys. He was like of uh, the proto uh, the prototype for like a Cernovich. Like we didn't really know like and I remember like hearing reports of these you know uh, campus visits and not really understanding because we didn't have the context. I'm like, why is the Ultimate Warrior going to college campuses and using a bunch of racial slurs? Like, oh, now it's a now I get it. It's a business.
3: Well, no, that's the thing. That's one of the things I kind of have been joking about. Like, uh, it was really shocking, so a lot of the stuff that he said uh, in 2007. In 2017, he'd probably be getting ready for a Senate run right now. It's uh, pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much right in the middle of regular conservative uh, uh, rhetoric. But, yeah, so he, he made a bunch of, like, really... Uh, insane comments in, in those speeches and on a blog post, they were, he would post these rig, you know, these super manic, like multi thousand word, uh, screeds on his blog about like he'd go on, going on, uh, the hurricane, lazy hurricane Katrina victims. And, uh, you know, talking about why, you know, why is it that Martin Luther King is a holiday named after him? That's bullshit. And, uh, you know, really homo- a lot of really homophobic stuff. Uh, you know, he mocked. Heath Ledger the day after he died, because Heath Ledger, you know, played a homosexual character in a fucking movie one time.
2: <laughs> this uh, is the guy so, who uh, um, was uh, shirtless, uh, buff, and with his face painted yeah, exactly. every weekend. Yeah.
3: <laughs> in, in his underpants, uh, writhing around with others. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, guess, I guess we should say in context, like, the Ultimate Warrior, he was just basically like this kind of cartoonist superhero. He really got where he was because as a wrestler because he was like a bodybuilder and super buff and big and strong. He was not a talented in-ring performer um, whatsoever, even though a couple of his matches are pretty memorable with Ravishing Rick Rude, and Hulk Hogan is probably his biggest match because um, he was able to beat Hulk Hogan in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, at like, almost the height of Hulkamania. That didn't happen too often, just because he was really popular uh, with kids, really energetic. He was my favorite wrestler as a kid, but his yeah. legacy was really short because he kept having, he had fallings out um, with the WWE and his heart was really, I don't think was really ever in being a professional wrestler.
3: Yeah, and in, to be honest, I don't even want to take anything away from him. Like, to me, wrestling, like, that, he personified everything it's all about. He's, like you said, he's like this living, breathing comic book character and he's not in the pages of a book or he's not in the movies. You can go into to a wrestling show and you see him right there in front of you. That's the magic of wrestling and that's what's great about it. And, you know, I think he does have a, have a really uh, important legacy in wrestling. But uh, the, 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 what I took issue with was, uh, okay, so they brought Warrior, after years being away from the company, He and, you know, a, a few years away from him doing this conservative uh, uh, commentating stuff that he was doing, uh, in 2014 they brought Warrior back into the fold, uh, they inducted him into the Hall of Fame, And, uh, he, so he's in the hall of fame the next night on Monday night raw, he gives this big legendary promo where he kind of like foreshadows his own death almost. And then the next day he's dead. He dies of a massive heart attack. Mm. So it's like, to me, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a pretty great story. Uh, but the thing is what happened next was instead of just kind of leaving it at that, um, WWE took this guy's image and started using it to sort of promote their whole like, uh, philanthropical marketing corporate altruism stuff that they started doing they created the warrior award that they give out to you know uh people every year who who uh you know exhibit the uh, the indomitable spirit of the ultimate warrior and uh like by
2: like uh beating up gay people or something (laughs)
3: but but yeah that's the thing that's where like when i first saw your piece
1: i was like i don't don't know about this it felt like because i thought maybe you're just kicking the guy while he. He's dead because uh, talking about all his uh, all the horrible racist and homophobic things, and years after. But the issue is with WWE's behavior right. in this situation, like to take Ultimate Warrior's image and then like basically u- uh, use it in a way to. He's they're kind of pinkwashing the Ultimate Warrior's legacy and kind of misusing his legacy um, at the same time.
3: But this seems yeah, par for a- the course. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry, but just, yeah, like I said in the piece, if it had just been left at, if it, they had just brought him back and put him in the Hall of Fame, I wouldn't have raised a, a stink about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. It's really what they've done. Like, I would maybe find it a little bit distasteful, but you know, I that that would be the limit of it. I would probably complain online, and that would be the end of it. Uh, it's just the way that they've insisted on 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 whitewashing his legacy, on on like never acknowledging any of this stuff or apologizing for it or anything. Like when they brought him back, there was a big, there's a lot of show about the the sort of like uh, the bridges he had burned and the the way he had uh, reconnected with people in the wrestling business. Mm. But this was never mentioned any of this stuff. And then for them to then use his image as this kind of inspirational, uh, redemptive figure, I find really distasteful. And then this year, so what, what really put me over the top was this month they, they've had a partnership with uh, the Susan G. Komen Foundation for a few years. Oh,
2: God. Yeah. and Do they month, ever
0: do anything?
2: No, yeah, they, they, they litigate for the word cure and the pink ribbon uh, yeah. is what they do. Yeah, they so, have yeah. no interest in curing breast cancer. You Know that, right? I, I think I, I I don't know the like full facts on this, but they do spend like a significant amount of money litigating people from using the words for the cure, uh, and also like the actual pink ribbon.
3: Yeah, it was kind yeah, of. Yeah. Like- so that's their partnership with them is problematic to begin with, but then mm-hmm. they folded in this warrior branding into this uh, cross promotion, which they do all of October. And it's they, they, so they did this Unleash Your Warrior campaign. They've got all these breast cancer survivors, you know, wearing the Ultimate Warrior Good shirts Lord. and stuff. And that's when I was I was kind of saying like, okay, this is just too this is too much for me. <laughs> I was like, you know, someone's someone's really going to call them out on this, you know. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually a writer. I can do that. There's no problem for doing that. So Captain was, Freelance, hell yeah. Yet. Exactly. So I was like. I, and that's the thing with WWE, there's, there, there do all kinds of business practices that you don't agree with. There's a right, long, this seems part the— lega- Yeah, there's a long legacy of racism and other bad stuff, but I can't really change any of that. But this was something that was always like, maybe I can actually make some kind of an impact if I call them out right. on pub- publicly. And how,
0: have, have you, how has the response to the article been? Have you heard from, like, gotten any comments from the WWE or people involved in the no. league—
3: yeah, I reached out to them when I was writing it um, to give them the opportunity to to comment on it before I did it. They made a comment, and I also heard from Dana Warrior, who's Warrior's wife. Oh, by oh, uh, her
0: last mom. name. Yes, is yeah, her last name is
3: Warrior. Yeah, well, that's that's another kind of wrinkle is that like when he was giving these conservative speeches, he's his, like he wasn't Jim Helwig giving these speeches. His name is literally Warrior. He changed his name illegally, yeah, during a copyright dispute with the company. <laughs> so, so when WWE got back to me, they it's what they kind of the angle they took was like, oh, the character of the Ultimate Warrior is this inspirational figure, and uh, you, you're just taking you know the spotlight away from the the wonderful people that we're giving these awards to and stuff, and it's misguided and everything. um which you know it's i find kind of silly and uh not really getting at what the actual issue is but that that's what they had to say.
0: Well, i was yeah, i was just going to say earlier like the WWE has a history of just washing out everything bad. Uh they took Hogan down for a while. They were like what Hogan until they decided he was okay to rehabilitate uh, after oh, his doctor haven't, lawsuit. They, they, oh,
3: they still have Oh no, down.
0: he Oh, he's not back yet? I thought he was
3: back. I'm no, my no, mistake. And- and that's one of the sort of contradictions that I pointed out to them. I'm just like, why is it, like, why is what he said unacceptable? But with this other guy, not only is it acceptable, but you're building this big brand around his image, this inspirational, altruistic brand. It's like it's insane to me.
1: Yeah, like, and even, I, did, to clear, I think to be clear, like what Hulk Hogan said was in um, private, and and what uh, Warrior was going around college campuses and calling, yeah, he was doing like a in in person like. Dykes and I mean weird. it doesn't sound that different than what like uh Dennis
0: Prager and Adam Carolla are doing. It sounds like they were doing like a wrestling take on like Prager U, where it's like I'm going to give an inspirational speech on being the best conservative
2: you can be. Hoo-ah. Right, and, but, but I don't know that I don't know that I would give a a, a cancer survivor the Adam Carolla Award of bravery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh I don't get why college campus conservatives are, like, such a big business anyway. I assume, like, the protests are part of the business. Like, they go to a campus, they know they're going to have people yelling at them, they make more money from that, we're persecuted, give us more money, and that's just how the system works. But, like, what is it with, like, specifically going to, like, campuses where people hate them? that gets them off. like do they just get off and like just walk in through the front door knowing that no one can stop them from giving their little fucking pulpit speech or is it like there is a lot of money to be
2: made in the university system? I don't. But my theory is that I'm like they got a lot of money. There's money to be made for speakers and things like that, and so that's why these people like specifically target colleges uh, uh, to go in and talk to people. Yeah, but but- you
0: mentioned kayfabe earlier and like Ultimate Warrior giving like campus political speeches. It may not be in his character according to the WWE, but it totally was. I mean, like you, if you are comfortable, you know, yelling at the crowd in a ring. Like there's a reason Jesse Ventura was governor. There actually is a translatable and and you know we saw Trump do this too. There's a translatable element from the, the ring to the to the political pulpit
3: but, well, it's funny i mean if you if you had pointed out like I've been kind of on this for a little while, and if you pointed out in twenty twelve that politics is like wrestling, it's kind of this like clever observation like oh oh, oh I'm so clever with Ming, but yeah. now in twenty seventeen it's just like. It's like this trite, it's like, yeah, of course it's wrestling, are you crazy? It's like, yeah. politics yeah. is like more ridiculous than pro-wrestling, yeah, it's like absurd. You, it's like when I, when I get to, uh, you know... And just as rigged. My, yeah, exactly. When my brain is melting from too much politics, I go, that wrestling is what I watch to like relax now and see <laughs> something a bit more serious and, uh, and normal. <laughs>
2: Like watch something where things make sense. So you're you're yeah, in
0: Montreal, exactly. you're in Montreal, home of the screw job. How did you get into left politics? How did you get into wrestling? Answer them both.
3: <laughs> well, I think like uh, like anybody, I got into wrestling as a kid. You know, watching guys like Ultimate Warrior and stuff like that. the the late eighties and early nineties. And you know, I came back to it and left multiple times, uh, and then kind of really as an adult, kind of came back around twenty twelve and started watching uh, pretty regularly then. Because it seemed like there was kind of a, it, it, it was kind of more acceptable. There's kind of more of a base of people, especially online, of like, of like, you know, people that are intelligent that can talk about wrestling in, in a sort of way that makes it interesting. Right. It's not just like the dumb kind of, you're a stereotype of what you have of a wrestling fan in your head. Um, it, it's sort of talking about what wrestling is really when you watch it and how, once you start to think about it, it's really fascinating and interesting. And yeah, so, I, I
2: personally I just, went like I have a lot of friends that are really into wrestling, and I went from being like you know I'll, I'll I'll own up to like I went from being one of these people that was like wrestling is so stupid to now like I'm like actually a little jealous that I didn't get into wrestling as a little kid because it does seem like this like like ma- massively textured thing that uh, uh I that you know people have so many opinions on and so much to talk about and I, I I do feel a little left out as someone who like knows everything about the DC universe I wish that I had also yeah. gotten into the WWE universe.
3: Yeah, well, to be All clear, right, you know, it is to be clear it is stupid i mean that's no one's denying <laughs> oh don't worry up. like hold up hold up, hold up hold up
1: wwe is stupid okay japanese wrestling independent wrestling that's cool all right i i i draw the line in the sand a lot of people you know take this absurdist view that oh wrestling so silly hey watch Kinda kobashi versus fucking masawa you will not be laughing okay
3: it <laughs> yeah is- <laughs> yeah no that's true <laughs> No, but that's it, but like like even w w e when when it when they get it right, it just hits this sweet spot of storytelling where it's this the 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 reality of it and the fakeness of it kind of come together at the same time and it's it's completely unique and there's nothing else like it, and that's what that's what draws me to it, except for politics even, yeah. <laughs> only yeah, politics yeah. is like it so
0: <laughs> i think uh we're all big fans of Ready to Rumble with David Arquette and Scott Kahn, right?
3: Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, you know,
1: <laughs> it's funny, I've actually never seen it, like, for real. Like, I think I watched half of it when it was replaying on TBS. Um, but I do. Oliver say, like, Platt was the fucking idol. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say, like, David Arquette, like, is still, like, into wrestling and still trying to rehabilitate himself like he'll like there's this other wrestler name uh her last name is Arquette and she's a female wrestler no relation but like she started tweeting him he was like all right you get him and he like recorded a video like supporting her at like her sm- uh, small town um <laughs> in show she still lost to my good friend uh Lufisto she got got her ass kicked but you know David Arquette he's still out there you know trying to uh rehabilitate himself after he was one of the worst uh, wrestling champions in the entire uh sport See, I like that sport. shit. <laughs>
3: yeah, he, I is like... Real, he is a real fan, for sure.
0: Yeah. I like it when people uh, care about their fans enough to engage with them on, like, a human level and not just, like, you are a consumer of my product. That reminds me, Arquette supporting a wrestler with his last name kind of reminds me of, like, do you remember a few years ago there was like this YouTube guy named like Prue Two Forever, and he was just kind of like this goofy looking kid, and he made some video where he talked about how Fifty Cent wasn't all that, and then like the next video was him and Fifty Cent oh, sitting yeah, together. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> I want to see more shit like that. It feels like it's weird. Like despite social media connecting entertainers and their and their fans, consumers, customers, whatever you want to call them the disconnect because of capital is getting bigger and bigger and bigger despite it you know never being easier to communicate with these people and so there's this illusion especially with the blue check marks on twitter that like these people are you know are, are 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 sort of above you but are like they'll come down to you now and then but i do think like in order to be a successful performer i do think you need to be more like arquette i do think you need to be more like 50 cent like you have to i feel like if you're not actively engaging
1: with the people who like your stuff what the fuck are you even doing you, I, you know it's funny you mention that because wrestlers are pretty good at um uh, engaging with the fans online mm. like a lot of wwe wrestlers have actually because wwe is such a big company and they have no idea what they're doing with most of the wrestlers most of the time like any corporation um a lot of wrestlers have taken like they like they would start their own like youtube channels to like independently build up like fan bases outside of the, uh, the wwe raw uh tv show and um, and like some of it really worked, and as soon as WWE noticed it, they tried to co-opt it and ruin it, and then ended up punishing the wrestler ultimately for uh, trying to get over without their permission. Uh, that happened.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's always that's always the, the double talk you get with them when they say, "Oh, you just need to reach for that, you know, brass ring or whatever," and then as soon as someone actually does that, you go, "No, no, no, we didn't actually give you permission to, to reach for that ring, so you're gonna have to go ahead and drop that immediately."
1: All right, and I think that um, we've talked enough about wrestling, I think, but now <laughs> we need to talk about another big story. That, uh, the Big Gamer News. Big Gamer News, yes. Um, ex- so apparently, uh, what, uh, JDB, why don't you go ahead? and uh, drop Osama Bin Laden loves the ROMs.
0: <laughs> Osama Bin Laden had a verifiable meme collection. He had arcade games. Old school NES, SNES, Sega Genesis. He had it all. He was a big gamer. Or maybe his, like, you know, 15 kids. But in that compound, they found so much amazing shit. They found ROMs. They found the Charlie bit my finger video. This hard drive... Was like Bin Laden was
2: a meme lord. He watched loose change. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's just for one second here be a little less stoked about finding out that <laughs> Bin Laden's a gamer. No, I mean like I could have been
0: playing Bin Laden in Call of Duty. I could have been like doing co op Rayman Legends matches with the man himself. Uh, I love the idea that. Osama bin Laden was is, is like a big internet dork. Because it makes perfect sense. What else are you gonna do when you're holed up in a, a mansion in Pakistan for what, like twelve years before they killed him? Like he just was stuck there forever. And if you're gonna be stuck in one place, you have two choices. You become like Julian Assange and use uh you know, get in bed with a government that is not your own and have Pamela Anderson come up to your suite Or uh, you game all day and, like, Osama bin Laden did the
2: wise thing. It's just clear that – it's clear to me that Osama didn't have very good internet because otherwise he would have gotten into World of Warcraft for sure.
0: Uh. I don't know if he had internet at all. Like, I wonder, like, if he was, like, having Al-Qaeda careers, like, bringing him the best online content via, like, you know, uh, CD and DVD. No, he had
1: Counter-Strike, so he had to be online.
0: He was playing Counter-Strike? Yeah, that's what I That is mind-blowing. Terrorists win. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Bin Laden being a big gamer is just proof of how prevalent gaming is. Uh, we should put that ha- as, as
1: our hashtag. Like, that's our hashtag. Like, <laughs> that's, no, that's but our like, promo. If Bin Laden was a gamer, you should be too. You should be a gamer too. No, like this just proves that
2: games have finally arrived. If the guy who did nine eleven plays them, then.
0: Yeah, well, he did, maybe, you know, look, he was watching Loose Change. Do you think he was watching Loose Change going like, oh, maybe I didn't
3: do it.
2: The, the, the yeah. fact that I he watched Loose Change is like, go ahead, sorry.
3: I know, I was just going to say, yeah, I think these guys have some interesting ideas. Maybe we need to explore some of this. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> like, huh. I I mean, know. Bin Laden watching Loose Change is the funniest thing of all time, maybe? Yeah. It's probably well, the funniest thing of all time. I
3: think I'm stealing someone's joke from Twitter with this, and I apologize. But I think someone, I saw someone saying it's basically just like the punchline to all of history.
0: Yes. Oh, that was a Biddle tweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sam Biddle go. wrote that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Very okay. funny tweet. I
3: knew I, I knew I was stealing it from someone, and I apologize. <laughs> no.
2: No, don't. Don't. Never apologize. That's part of our, that's one of our rules
0: here.
3: Yeah, yeah, so that, JDB I, res- is I rescind my apology.
2: Um, So, JDB, anything you saw on uh, Osama Bin Laden's uh, playlist that uh, you played? Let's take a look. I'm going to pop this up one more time. Have you played any of those, like, uh, large breast porno games that Osama Bin Laden liked to play in his free Like, was he playing
0: Custer's Revenge? Like, how deep did it go? Like, was he into, like, uh, what was it? God, what's that, like, weird like, uh, series with all, like, the shirtless, muscly dudes. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a it's like a twin-stick shooter. Not a twin-stick shooter. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um... It's like, like, uh, it was on, like, the Super Nintendo. Um... Okay. N- now, now, so, Kotaku says it might not have been his, and it might have been, like, his friends or family members. Like, okay, so he has... So, Osama Bin Laden and I both really love Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. Uh, <laughs> and Yoshi's Island DS. Those were both very, very good games. <laughs> uh... I play as black or white Yoshi in Mario Kart with my girlfriend. Uh, it's the best way to hang out when she's across the goddamn country. Is Mario Kart, and I—I I wonder. Like, first of all, Osama bin Laden would have loved the Switch. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real shame um, he died
2: before he got to Guys, see. it appears this is uh, not to just this is breaking news, everybody. Uh, it appears that Donald Trump's Twitter account has disappeared.
3: What? What?
2: If you go on Twitter, uh, everyone's talking about it. And if you search his page, nothing comes up. Wait, is it his account or the POSIS account? The real Donald Trump account. Today
0: has been the fucking like craziest. disappeared.
2: Can't find it if you search for it. It's
0: gone. Holy fucking shit. I bet, be I bet it'll be I bet it'll be it'll be up by, that... by the time we air. That, it'll be back up by the Does that mean he's
2: not air. the president anymore? Yeah, wait, <laughs> no, it's exactly
0: back. Way. It's back. It's it's, it's back. back. Up
2: already? That was very so what, brief. That's really weird though. Well, I
3: that thought it maybe had weird. something to do with that uh, that tweet where he's talking about the New York guy saying he deserves the death penalty. I thought maybe that was the final the, the you know the final straw for Twitter, but pr- apparently not. There's no final straw for Twitter, so what am I saying? No, not at all. There is no final
2: straw. There never will be. So what the now fuck was back. going on? Does he have t- does he have two forty now or something? Like why did he disappear? He's back now. That anyway, was very didn't brief. Matter.
0: His last tweet was 24 minutes ago when he announced uh, Jerome Powell to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve. I don't know anything about him, but I'm sure one Google search will reveal he's a very bad guy, yeah. as par for the fucking
1: course.
3: Yeah, uh, I have no doubt that he's a fucking ghoul that is terrible at his job. If the previous, <laughs> previous history is of any indication. I'm like, sure what if honest. Donald
1: Trump hires somebody good just to trick us every now and then? <laughs> 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 one person that's halfway. Well,
2: like deep. that, like that, that like when Deborah Messing like got mad. At Steve, when Steve Bannon said he wanted to raise taxes
0: yeah. or something like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Pull that move. Oh,
0: man. Celebrities, always bad, always wrong. Um, <laughs> Rob, so how did you get involved in the left? You're in Canada, so it's a little bit different. And in Montreal, which is like, actually, I've read, because I was just there a couple months ago. When I was there, I read that it was one of the more conservative provinces. I didn't get that sense. Well, but uh, Quebec, conservative Quebec, in Canada. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Quebec in general, yes. It's I mean, it's all it's probably longer than we have to talk about to go into the history of Quebec politics because there's the whole French English thing and the whole separatist thing. Mm-hmm. Montreal in general, Montreal is kind of like a city state in and of itself. It's really cosmopolitan and uh, very progressive and a long history of like anarchism and stuff like that too.
0: I didn't know about that. I just knew there was no zoning, so you can go to like an Italian restaurant, a brothel, and like a church in like the same block, like. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. Like we stayed downtown. We never really left downtown, but we went down, uh, uh, like we went to a lot of the touristy spots. Like we went to uh, the, the Schwartz's Deli and we went to like the, the bagel shops. And, uh, the one thing I noticed is that every time I tried to speak shitty French, nobody would let me, they would immediately translate to English. I wouldn't, I had no chance. Like everybody, every sign is in French. But everybody, they just they can sniff the Americans m- from miles away.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think probably a lot of uh, people doing that are just trying to be helpful. Um, <laughs> you know, because here, like here, it is really like a like one of the only actual bilingual cities in in Canada. Like we make a big show of being a bilingual country, but we're not really. Uh, it's basically Montreal. The rest of Quebec is, like, majority French. The, the rest of Canada is majority of English with a few pockets of French here and there. Yeah. Uh, so, really, this is the only city where there's kind of, like, a truly bilingual thing. Uh, mm. going on.
0: A guy from Vancouver told me it was sort of, like, reverse Canada living in Montreal. Uh, I don't know how true that is. But uh, how did you get involved with the left? How did you end up uh, sort of developing the worldview you did?
3: Well, I mean, I've always kind of just been, I mean, you know, here in Canada, we've always just generally been a bit more to the left than what's happening in America. And I've been, (laughs) I've been like, kind of obsessed with American politics for a long time, uh, you know, since probably the early 2000s. And uh, I think I was a lot like you guys, you know, I had a lot of the sort of liberal in me and I was, I was really supportive of Obama when he came in. And then kind of when it, when it was gradually revealed of what he actually the things he believed in and the things he was going to try and do um that's when i kind of started really souring on the whole idea of liberalism and centrism and uh you know and then uh, you know like you guys this whole primary and uh, and presidential campaign has pretty much cemented uh, a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, that i previously believed and uh so it's interesting cuz now so i'm in canada and i'm seeing a lot of the struggles that the left has to have uh in america like Mm-hmm. just uh, just for just for healthcare you know like that's this inc- incredible uphill battle and i've been like kind of like embarrassingly disconnected from canadian politics for most of my life just because it's so easy to be complacent when we see what's below us you know and we can <laughs> yeah. kind of say oh you know what We've, we've got our healthcare here. We've got pretty cheap education. Like, let's just not rock the boat too much.
1: Yeah. Mm. But
3: seeing, seeing what's happening to America right now and seeing the struggles that the left is going through there has started to make me really start to think about going on offense more in this country and not just accepting things the way they are, but like, you know, we've got this progressive infrastructure that's already there. So I try to think about like, you know, if, they're, if the left in America, what if... What if they already had healthcare, and what if that debate was settled decades ago? Like, what would you guys right. do then? So now I'm kind of starting to get more involved in, uh, in, in, you know, municipal and provincial and and politics here. And um, so basically, we just had uh, an election for the uh, the NDP, which is like supposed to be the sort of social democratic party, uh, the new De- the new democratic party. Mm-hmm. And the candidate that I was supporting uh, did not win, Nikki Ashton, who was like kind of the only openly like socialist uh, candidate. But we just elected as leader this guy uh, Jugmeet Singh, who's an Indo-Canadian, a uh, Sikh, uh, and he's uh, like he was kind of the establishment pick of the NDP. He's a Trudeau guy. Well, like the Trudeau is the Liberal Party, and but he is kind of like yeah that kind of establishment. He's kind of the more centrist candidate but also did seem to show a lot of deference to the left throughout the campaign. And does se- he is a cool guy and seems like uh, there's a willingness to listen to ideas uh, on the left. So kind of what I'm getting involved in now is um, uh, kind of digging more into the NDP. Uh, I'm getting involved in this organization called Courage, which is uh, uh, basically designed to – it's kind of similar to Momentum in, uh, in the U.K., um, but not tied to a specific candidate. And what we're trying to do is basically yank the NDP to the left. Mm. And uh, I, th- that I think a lot of people uh, on left, Canadian leftists, were kind of disappointed with, with Jugmeet Singh uh, winning. But I also think that he has a really good shot at, at actually beating Trudeau in a national election. So if we can sort of make hold him to the promises that he's making... And uh, and really hold his feet to the fire on some of this stuff, then I think there's still a good chance that we can that we can yeah. do some what do you, stuff here.
0: What do you think that like young leftist groups in America, like the DSA, could learn from groups like Momentum and groups like the group you're in? Because you know there's a there's a lot of growing pains as the left begins to kick things up a notch in America, and it's a uh, it's a it's a process. But yeah, you know well, it's, you it's you crazy, have a few it? years a- on us.
3: Yeah, it's totally like a brave new world uh, in America right now, because as long as I've been following American politics, there hasn't been a left, it just hasn't existed. Or if it Mm. has, it's like been really, really marginalized. So it's, it's interesting uh, to kind of try to see, um, um, uh, see them find their footing, you know? And, you know, I don't know, like I said, it's something, it's a world that I'm sort of new at myself. And, uh, I think where DSA can pick up the slack is what the DNC has been ignoring, ignoring all these down ballot races and ignoring the rural communities and ignoring people's material needs. And when they can step in and start meet people there and start Mm -hmm. helping people with their material needs and start winning local elections, school board elections, stuff like that. That's how they're going to actually take power on the national level and start actually wielding real political power. Mm. Uh, and that's what I seems kind of interesting because it seems like it's starting to happen, but uh, it's been such a long time coming that, uh, you know.
2: So so you don't think that the best way to move left politics forward in America is to just get in a bunch of big Twitter fights with each other uh, <laughs> and tear each other apart online?
3: Uh, n- ugh, God, <laughs> it's tough. It's been tough to see that stuff. <laughs> but honestly, like some of the people that are getting... Are getting called out at the moment. It seems like, as disappointing as it is, it's maybe a bit necessary to I agree. purge yeah. a certain kind of uh, uh, mindset. You know, it's tough because the left is so marginalized. You don't want to lose anybody that can has something right. contribute to contribute, right? But
0: right, and we do have issues with a circular firing squad. So you know, yeah, it's it's a tough thing.
3: Yeah, it has been extremely depressing uh, over the last couple weeks. Even if you, you you know, I think it's probably necessary. But with the moment, like, you know, following along after the election, after the inauguration, it felt like there was real like unity and real momentum. And it seems like it has stalled a little bit. But like I said, it might be a necessary thing in the end Mm, yeah, in order to move forward.
2: Um, well, that that's a nice missive from left from the left future in Canada. In Canada. <laughs> and we'll do that
0: more often. That's we're gonna. The more Brits and Canucks we have on, the more we're gonna ask. What do we well, learn we'll from you Use a racial guys?
2: slur. I'm are half Canadian, are, so I'm personally are, offended.
0: I'm a fourth Canadian. Go fuck
3: yourself, <laughs> uh, sir, 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 <laughs> yeah. sir. Oh, <laughs> that's Lord. all. That's all I was saying. Just so. um, all right. Uh, well, anything else? Um, Rob, we who's got, the greatest got wrestler great- of all time? The greatest of all time? Uh, the Miz. Wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wrong.
3: No, no, it's not The Miz, but Miz is probably my favorite at the moment. I, I really have been enjoying uh, watching him lately.
2: Leslie, who is the best?
3: Uh, I
1: would say Manami Toyota, who is actually having her retirement match today in Japan, where she's wrestling um, 50 other wrestlers in uh, one-minute matches back-to-back. So... Yeah.
0: She wait, she's wrestling fifty like one oh my that's a lot of wrestling. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, people to take on. Yeah, and she's re- No, not- but seriously
3: I would say I would say the greatest of all time is
1: Bret Hart. Though. Bret Hart. Yeah, Bret Hart's good. Mm-hmm. I'm still wrong, but pretty pretty close.
2: Pretty close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well uh Rob, thanks for talking with us. Uh uh you're a smart guy and uh, we're very happy to have you on.
3: Yeah. Come hang out in the from, Discord. Guys. Yeah, yep. I would love to. It's, I'm really happy I got to come on the show. It's really cool. Thanks a lot. Right, thank you so much, cool. man.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, that's that then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of struggle session uh subscribe to us on patreon if you'd like to shoot us an email hit us up at the struggle session at gmail.com we are at struggle session.us if you'd like to check out our tumblr if you would like to follow us on twitter not me but us in general check out at struggle sesh s-e-s-h
1: like what you hear want to hear more check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.